Welcome back to the Behind the Net podcast. As usual, I'm one of your two co-hosts, Matthew, and joined with me is my other is my co-host, Michael. Hey guys, how's it going? You know, I, I don't know about you, Matthew, but today's been kind of a weird day, don't you think? Mm. Oh yeah. A lot of weird stuff happening uh, all over the world, but it's just more so the aftermath of uh, what was a pretty rough, uh, horrible day in the U.S. yesterday. I'm sure you guys are aware. Uh, when we're recording this, this has been almost 24 over 24 hours since those uh, attacks, that terrorist attack at the U.S. Senate by a bunch of Trump supporters. You know, we can't ignore stuff like that because it's uh, tough to watch. But it just reinforces what we've been discussing since last summer when the Black Lives Matter protests were in full swing. There's an ongoing problem, not just in the United States, but everywhere. It needs to be fully addressed. There needs to be changes. And hopefully there are changes. Unfortunately, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be quick. But hopefully one day we get there. 100%. I uh, completely agree with that statement. And yeah, we wanted to acknowledge everything that's happened. And uh, yeah, I mean, just like how you put it, if anything, it's really amplified, you know, what the, 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 the discussion we've been keeping on having since, you know, the summer. And I think a lot of aspects about that has been uh, definitely uh, just amplified in, in discussions. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think what's also important is that people who were injured, like police officers, law enforcement that's put themselves in uh, in the way to try and uh, protect the Senate and those who got injured yesterday, we're keeping them in their thoughts and prayers. And also those who passed away yesterday, because there were at least five now, as last time I checked. But most importantly, I just hope this inspires change. And I hope that uh, we see lots of widespread changes all across the uh, the world. And as we saw in sports with basketball, a lot of players showing protests for what, what happened. I'm hoping that all the other leagues follow suit. It's not just one league doing all the work. 100%. Um, yeah. I want to, I'm glad uh, we mentioned that off the top. Very important. Um, we were obviously debating on, uh, you know, whether to talk sports this week or not, but. Sports still sports still goes on, and uh, as you said, um, I think it's great that you we see it. Um, you know those movements happen, um, and 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 you know the message amplified in, through sports, like what we saw, especially in the NBA last night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just it doesn't take much. Just show show that you are aware of what's happening, but don't just do that. Go take it one step further. We've seen uh, how much it means to people when you take those uh, initiatives. And I hope we see it. For sure. 100%. Um, but with that, we'll start getting into our episode. Um, before we do and, and we talk about the sports of uh, sports news of the week, how have you been, Michael? What have you been up to? You know, before all that, it's been pretty good. Uh, school's starting up soon. Hockey's coming back. And uh, gaming's been uh, going crazy a little bit for me lately. I actually have a bit of a recommendation for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh so you remember in a previous episode where I mentioned uh, Out of the Park Baseball as oh, yeah. one of my favorite games and yeah. ones that you guys should try? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a hockey version of that. It's called Franchise Hockey Manager. The recent version is uh, the seventh one. I've been playing that for the last few days now, and I've been extremely addicted to it. It's a lot of fun. 
I just finished a re- redoing the Leafs 2011-12 season, which they won the Stanley Cup. Spoiler alert. <laughs> nice. It's uh, it's one of those you can go back and yeah. fix seasons that pass or go forward. It should be uh, it's a it's a fun one. You should definitely try it if you haven't. Fun fact: Before when I was getting on onto Discord to record the episode, because Discord shows like if you're gaming, um, <laughs> it said you were playing this. Uh, you were playing that like immediately before we we hopped on to record. So, so there you go. Um, is it like? So is it basically like you know the GM mode for like NHL, but like better, deeper? It's a it's a much more intuitive version of GM mode. It's a much different experience mm-hmm. than than be a GM mode, because like you're you're uh you're keeping track of your prospects, uh all that stuff. Yeah, it's not as uh, in depth as uh, say out of the park baseball, but it's mm-hmm. definitely uh, more depth. There's more depth to it compared to. Uh, EA Sports. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, I think, uh, a different experience if you're looking for something other than uh, EA's offering. Yeah, because I uh, like I definitely love EA's franchise mode. It's honestly probably one of the biggest reasons why I buy the game. Uh, it's just so fun, and yeah, I mean, like just like how you were saying, you get to even um, like rebuild, you know previous teams you can't do that in, in ea sports as nhl um that's pretty cool because you could always go back to whatever you know season whatever team that you want to fix and all those like all the past players are in the game mm-hmm. yeah all, all past awesome. and present mm. yeah it's uh it's uh, by the way this is not sponsored <laughs> as much as i love for it to be <laughs> they're just sponsored. game they're just game recommendations guys <laughs> yeah i'm just a big fan uh-huh what's your game recommendation of the week and more importantly how have you been i've been good um i've been i've been staying well and 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 just uh yeah just chilling um honestly for me uh probably my recommendation this one was tough but um you know one that uh like i've been playing a lot of switch games and uh i don't know if i recommended this actually last time i think i recommended overcooked last time but this week I, i if you have a switch definitely pick up uh snipper clips that's a fun game. It's like a puzzle okay. puzzle game. Like you basically, it's multi. It's, it's better multiplayer. It's a really good multiplayer game, and basically, it's like puzzles. But it's like you you're basically a shape, and you know the other the other player is also a shape, and you basically have to like cut each other into shapes, into smaller shapes that basically help you solve the uh, scenario you're in. Oh, okay. That sounds interesting. It's really fun. Yeah. All right. So yeah, there's another one for you guys. Uh, hopefully, those keep you busy for the next week or so, mm-hmm. <laughs> or more. Uh, mm-hmm. At least uh, while we we're under sure. while we're under lockdown too. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are my game recommendations, and I think uh, it's about time to start talking about the sports of the week. Yeah, there's been quite a lot to happening. Uh, some good and some bad, but I think we have to start with the bad because. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's going on going. with the Raptors? I don't know. Like we talked about this last week and we thought, you know, is it too quick? T- is it too soon to worry? But now I think it's, it's officially time to worry. You know, um, the Raptors are one in six now. Although I will say that, you know, we're recording this on Thursday night. Last night, the Raptors faced the Phoenix Suns, and they played one of their better games, honestly. Pascal Siakam, who we were talking about last week, um, he's just he just hasn't been playing the way 
we know him to play. You know, he's kind of continuing that bubble um, play that that showed that that shown that you know displayed a, a significant drop in his skill uh, and in his mm-hmm. performance. But last night's game against the Suns, and the Suns are a very good team now, especially with Chris Paul. I mean, that's another topic. But Chris Paul is just amazing in itself. Um, but Pascal Siakam played great. He played amazingly. He played uh, just like you know how you know the Pascal Siakam that we know and he was hitting shots he was driving to the basket uh with ease and and he put up what 32 points um unfortunately the Raptors couldn't get the win and I think they just have to keep playing like they did last uh last night I think I think I don't know because I remember you saying you know every game counts this season because it is a shorter season um but I think if they you know, figure that out, and 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 Pascal Siakam especially can lead in that way. I think they could start stringing together, together someone. So, um, maybe I don't know if I can answer what's wrong with them or what's going on, but I think it's definitely they needed some time to really adjust. And definitely this 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 team is now built around Pascal Siakam. So if he's not performing, that's exactly you know the problem with the team, um, a big problem with the team. You know, if if the main part of the machine is not operating the whole thing doesn't function well right mm-hmm. um but yeah definitely some, like they've shown big signs and positives especially last night and uh i think they can turn it around or at least i think if they can start stringing together some wins i think they can take it to you know they could they could flip the the narrative but those are my thoughts what about you well it's been tough to watch yeah, obviously Especially last night, because the Raptors played, I think, their best game since their win over the Knicks. And uh, that's not saying a lot, but uh, I digress. They they played probably their best offensive performance of the season so far. And it didn't matter because the Suns were just sinking pretty much every single three that they were shooting. Mm-hmm. Which I is that, an, is that an NBA record for most consecutive threes made in a game? I'm not even sure. Well, I I know the Raptors did set a record for like most games, uh, consecutive games, conceding over 120 points in franchise history or something like that, which is crazy to me because as we've been saying, I said in the last episode, the Raptors identify themselves uh, from their defensive abilities, and we have not seen them play a strong defensive game at all. Not even uh, like... I mean, yeah, you could say that the next one was a pretty good one, but even then, uh, it's the Knicks. It's not a great comparison, not a great showing of, like, is this team uh, turning the corner defensively? That's one thing. The other one is just their offense has been completely out of sync at times. Hopefully, we're finally seeing some progression because uh, this Raptors team does have some good pieces. Uh, I just think, you know, as much as fun as it was to see the Aaron Baines account, of join the Raptors nation. You have to admit that Aaron Baines, the player has not uh, had a great start to his Raptors tenure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of it. The locks, the lock of uh, Gasol and Ibaka is one thing, but when the replacements are not uh, living up to expectation, that really shows, Hey, Raptors really do miss Ibaka and Gasol. And I think really one other thing that's really been, I've been thinking of, um, <clears throat> You know, does this feel like the Raptors are kind of in preseason mode, but during the regular season? Because that would be the only explanation. Like, they only played three regular season games, uh, preseason games. 
and I, f- I feel like there's a bit there's kind of went in cold feet expecting to play a little bit more and you know people say they would like to see less preseason games but I wonder if some of these older teams would benefit from more and I think we're seeing that uh, right now mm-hmm. um yeah I mean you have a point with that I I, I don't know I, I I think we feel that way because um, we're just not used to the Raptors losing like this. You know, it, it's very weird. It almost feels like they're playing like preseason games, but like they can't wake up. But I don't know. I, I just, they're showing a lot of signs of regression, a lot of like big signs of regression here. Um, but I don't know. Um, and I wanted to talk about how you mentioned uh, the losses of Ibaka and Gasol um, because Aaron Baines has not played. Um, you know, up to par with his expectations at all. And, and it's been, he's been kind of leaving a hole on that, in that uh, center position that the Raptors now need. But there's, uh, I don't know if you heard, but there was a report that um, Sergi Baca would have wanted to sign with the Toronto Raptors. Um, but he was, he kind of resented um, the direction they wanted to go with uh, Gasol. And the Raptors obviously kind of wanted to, sign Gasol and Ibaka to one-year contracts but I don't think uh Ibaka wanted to play you know second fiddle to Gasol one more year and he said you know how he was open to staying in Toronto but when it was clear that they wanted to you know kind of bring back Gasol or or, uh, kind of give a little more priority to bringing back Gasol um it kind Mm of uh slighted him the wrong way and he decided to go to the Clippers and as we all know now, Ibaka has been playing great for the Clippers and Gasol has been playing great for the Lakers. So it, I think that those two are definitely huge blows, bigger blows than we thought initially to the Raptors, just losing them. Um, so I want to know, like, what, what do, you, do you think the Raptors really fumbled the ball there? Like, what do you think they should have done if they can go back? I think, uh, if anything, they should have put more of commitment to Serge Ibaka because uh, I think... We both, you and I agree that uh, Mark Gasol was probably uh, as good as he was defensively. There's no clear tell of how much more he had left uh, in the NBA. He's probably got at least a few more seasons left. But I, th- I think Ibaka, not just his on-court ability, but his his role off the court and mm-hmm. just his ability to keep the locker room light, made him extremely valuable. And I'm surprised they didn't put much more effort into him. Than they, they they actually did in real life, which is frustrating to me, because mm-hmm. uh, I think you and I agree. I think Abaka would still be a great fit on this Raptors team now, and I think he would. Uh, if if Abaka's on this team, there's a pretty good chance they have maybe one or two extra wins compared to what they actually have in real life. Mm-hmm. So it's frustrating that they uh, dropped the ball in Ibaka's negotiations, and because of that, not only do they not have Abaka, they don't even have Gasol. Oh yeah, and you know I think. All season, when we we would constantly discuss, you know, bringing back um, Serge Ibaka, and we said, you know, his value, a lot of his value is in the fact that he's the glue guy, and we kept talking about that term, um, and I think it really is honestly so true. Maybe that's a big reason why the Raptors are also slumping. They lost a lot of that chemistry from, you know, a big, a big part of the team, Serge Ibaka. Um, he was... Uh, you know, we could see uh, very good with his teammates, um, had very good chemistry and 
honestly, he was a glue guy. And I'm going to use a cross-sport uh, reference here, but we saw it also last season with uh, the San Jose Sharks. We kind of spoke about this. Losing Joe Pavelski, who we also dubbed a glue guy for the uh, the Sharks, and they declined. And we don't know if that's the reason, but I feel like you know those types of players have a bigger impact when they're removed than we initially assume, you know? Mm-hmm. And it could be a big a big part in that. I definitely think that's a big uh, loss to the team chemistry. Um, but do you think the season can still be salvaged? I mean, it's only, what, five or six, no, seven games into the mm. regular season? And it's a 72-game 72 uh, 72 year. There's only 10 games less. Yes, uh... That means uh, maybe there's still more time for them to salvage it, but also there should be a little bit more uh, pressure on the players. So, is it in jeopardy? Kind of. Is it the dream dead? Not yet. Can the season be salvaged? Absolutely. But they cannot afford to go on another lengthy uh, losing streak like this one, or just go when when one game after losing three games before, mm-hmm. and then losing three more games the next because that's just not going to cut it. Especially with the uh, way the NBA standings are at this point. The 76ers are rolling. The Magic and the Pacers and Celtics are keeping pace. Uh, it's a very competitive Eastern Conference this year, and the Raptors lost a lot of ground early, and they've got a lot of work to do to catch up. Oh, yeah. I think there's been bigger changes than we initially assumed. But I agree. I think uh, I think if the, if the Raptors can turn around, they'd have to you know string together like at least – at least two to three wins um, really soon. Like if they lose another one, you got to hope that you got to hope that um, at least a three game winning streak is right around the corner. And then I think uh, once they get that kind of confidence back, they can start um, rolling. I feel like they lost a lot of confidence. I feel like there's almost a, a bigger mental block when you're, when you know you're a championship caliber team and then you get, you know, you start off like this. I think it just blocks you even more mentally, but I think they need to increase their confidence and, and things like that. Um, but my last question before we wrap up the Raptors segment is, do you think that this changes anything about the Raptors? Um, you know, rumors about getting James Harden. Do you think James Harden should be an even bigger possibility now? Do you think that the Raptors should shake things up that in that in that sense? Or do you think they should stay put? Well, I think you can answer it two different ways. Uh, if they really wanted James Harden, they're going to really put the pressure up to try and get him. But at the same time, if you think that Pascal Siakam is the future, then you're going to stick with him. I, this is going to be the big question for the Raptors this season because they clearly lost a lot of their identity in the offseason, and it's a completely different uh, team this year. So there's so many directions this team could go. They could try and compete again for the playoffs. Or they could uh, just pull a spores from the 97, 96, 97 season where they just bottomed out, accepted that it was going to be a bad year and tried to get a uh, top draft pick. Same thing with the Warriors last year. And look at them now. Uh, A year later, they they appear to be on track to have a much better season than last year. Never mind uh, making the playoffs. I I don't think it's the same scenario there. Exactly. Sorry to cut you off, but... um... Obviously, with those are that they kind of tanked because of injuries. I feel like the Raptors just obviously regress. They're just not as good of a team, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. If the Raptors don't make the playoffs this year and uh, have to force to look at the draft lottery, 
there's a pretty good prospect named Kate Cunningham who's available. And if the Raptors win the draft lottery, that wouldn't be a bad consolation prize, I'll have to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the, the top five in this uh, upcoming draft is honestly looking really good. So I won't say that, that you know that's not a loss either, but obviously the goal is to be a championship caliber team. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Listen, at the end of the day, we'd love to see the Raptors make, make the playoffs again. I think uh, there's no question about it. But uh, if they don't make the playoffs, it's not the end of the world because look what? Guess what? This year is a pretty good year for the the NBA draft, and I think uh, the Ra- the Ra- the Raptors uh, won't uh, be too upset if that's the case, and they mm-hmm. win the draft lottery. Yeah, for me, on the James Harden front, I really don't. I still don't know what you know. This is why Masai Ujiri is uh, the the president. I I don't know what I would do because every game that. <laughs> You know, the Raptors are losing in every game that Pascal Siakam doesn't play to his capabilities. His trade value drops, and obviously he was the he would be the centerpiece of a James Harden trade. Um, but at the same time, um, that kind of is a desperation move. And if the Raptors do want to go into or, or do end up having to rebuild, um, you know, kind of throwing in some first-round picks um, for a James Harden deal kind of throws off your rebuild and what if the james harden experiment doesn't work you know then it's even harder Mm -hmm. to uh i mean i get it like people had those same kind of um thoughts with the Kawhi leonard trade but it it definitely was a different scenario because the raptors were already good not now when you think that the raptors are not as good but uh yeah i really don't know for me i i just think just play the season out and if if the team bottoms out, um, just give it another, you know, just, just eva- reevaluate in 2021, uh, like at the end of the season. I just don't think, um, I don't think James Harden is the answer, to be honest. I, I get why he's tempting, though. Oh, yeah. It would be cool to see James Harden in a Raptors uniform, but uh, I wouldn't hold my breath if I were Raptors fans. Yeah, I don't think it's time to panic and try to, you know, flip the switch on the team already. Um, I think the Raptors is the first time they're losing, so um, I don't think you have to do an impulse decision. I mean, if anything, play out the rebuild, you know? Yep, absolutely agree. I think that's the perfect way to end this segment. Uh, Just stay the course. Don't uh, make any irrational decisions because it might hurt the team in the long run. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, Yeah, I mean, the, the whole rebuild thing is all new, brand new for... Uh, for Raptors fans, uh, release. It's been a while since they've been, you know, bottom of the, bottom of the barrel. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. Shall we switch over to hockey now? Because yes, there's I a think lot of news in that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of news in that. Um, the, I mean, we know that hockey is literally around the corner. Um, and the Toronto Maple Leafs actually started training camp. Um, and they, you know, they're scrimmaging on. Uh, there's going to be a scrimmage game on Saturday and. You know, we got a lot of news about the lines. Uh, I mean, where do you want to begin? You want to talk about the lines first? Well, I think that's probably the place to start because uh, the lines have been pretty interesting. Well, first of all, one of them has been Alex Kerfoot has been uh, injured. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, missing some time uh, due to an injury. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. But also, Austin Matthews today was uh, reportedly told by uh the media like the media got a hold of the fact that uh austin matthews is going to get penalty killing duties uh mm-hmm. this season 
So we'll get to that one in just a second. But if we're just going to look at the lines uh, when I when I find them, uh, there's there are some definitely some interesting ones. Chief among them being the uh, mm-hmm. the first line. I got them of, up here uh, if if you wanna if you want me to read them out to you. Yeah, go for um, it. So right now this is with Kerfoot still in. I'll mention it because we don't know exactly how Keith is gonna readjust. But um, we have Joe Thornton. Um, on the wing with Austin Matthews in center and then Mitch Marner on the other wing. Um, on the mm-hmm. Tavares line, Tavares is center, second line. Um, Jimmy Vesey and then William Nylander on his uh, wings. We got Kerfoot on the third line and uh, Mikheyev and Hyman on the on the wings. And then on the fourth line, we got Jason Spezza with uh, Wayne Simmons and uh, Barabinov or Barbanov. We still need to f- figure out how to say that. <laughs> We'll, learn. we'll get. We'll have to ask him himself. Uh, pronunciations. <laughs> um, but those are the lines. And obviously, first before we de- uh, dive into the lines, I want to ask you uh, one name that one significant name that's uh, kind of missing there is uh, Nick Robertson. And uh, mm-hmm. I want to know what do you think about that decision? Well, I think it's twofold because on the one hand, you want to see him play. But at the same time, uh, this Leafs team is in- extremely uh, t- tightly competitive in terms of just how much depth there is. Mm-hmm. I'm not uh, too concerned, though, about Nick Robson not being in the lineup just yet. I feel like if there's any player that could probably be swapped in and out, it has to be Barbanov. Uh, and you also have to look at some of the other players that are on the outside looking in. Uh, Pierre Engvall and Joey Anderson are two players that I think could be playing for the Leafs this season. Mm-hmm. More specifically, uh, Pierre Eng- uh, Engvall, because he did spend a lot of time. But I also think Joey Anderson could get a role. Mm-hmm. And you look at Nick Robertson, uh, he definitely has got a case to to make the lineup at some point uh, this year. And we saw the schedule. like There's a lot of back-to-backs or like uh, three games and four nights situations. It wouldn't surprise me too much if Nick Robertson got into at least a couple of those games uh, as the season goes on. So I it definitely would like to see Robertson get, get in the lineup. But I, I think we both agree that uh, if he's going to get full-time minutes, it's not for at least another year. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that it's a good problem to have, the fact that we're discussing it. I mean, the Leafs' offensive core is that, you know, filled, that there's a lineup logjam. And it's a good problem to have. Um, because there's a lot of depth um, up front. So it's great. Oh, yeah. um, and I mean, just looking at it, I mean, we know that um, four players, four four uh, forwards are new this season. So um, the team is kind of growing, kind of expanding in that sense. And uh, we're going to see a lot of, uh, with that, you know, we're going to see a lot of change-ups, I think, for, for new players, you know, kind of figuring out the lines. But yeah, a lot of depth and it's good. But let's start with the first line. What do you think about Joe Thornton um, being on the first line, first of all? I feel like that's the biggest question. And playing with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Well, I definitely couldn't have foreseen that coming. Mm-hmm. I wrote an article back in uh, October, shortly after Joe Thornton signed with the Leafs, projecting what the Leafs' lines were going to look like. And at the time, I had him on the third line with Kerfoot and uh, Robertson. And Hyman was uh, in his usual spot on the top line. So to see Thornton there is definitely intriguing. I'm curious to see how that plays out, especially given that there's two passers on that line with Marner being one of the better passers in this league and Joe Thornton going to the Hall of Fame one day. So it's for that line to work, 
Marner's got to start to shoot the puck more. Mm-hmm. And there was some videos showing that he is a, his shot has improved since last season. And that can only mean a lot of good things for the Leafs' uh, creativity on the power play. Because if Marner can start shooting the puck more on that situation, then he's probably going to be shooting the puck more in general. And that probably will lead to more goals. And that only means good things because uh, they don't. he doesn't have to be solely passing the puck. And that makes a lot teams uh, scared, more scared of him because instead of thinking, oh, he's only going to pass, he might shoot and he has a good shot. So I like that line. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I like it. All I'm going to say is, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if anything, maybe Matthews could hit like 60 goals, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, uh, honestly, yeah, that that's what caught me off guard. It's going to be a lot of passing. Um, obviously, Austin Matthews is going to take a majority of the shots there. And yeah, like I had Joe Thornton penned for, you know, in the bottom six. Um, you know, he's a traditional center. Um pass first and, and and you know i thought if anything he can kind of switch or i mean slot in somewhere either on the third line center position or the fourth line center position um i didn't expect him to be on the wing let alone on the first line as a winger um but it's gonna be interesting um we'll see how that plays out um and honestly i really do hope uh joe thornton can keep up as well um with matthews and marner uh, it'll be very interesting to see, though. I think uh, if Martin starts starts taking shots more, I think we can get a lot of production from that line. Absolutely. And uh, there were reports uh, from, I think it was uh, Shelton Keefe, talking about how Joe Thorne's a lot faster than he expected. So that can only mean good things uh, mm-hmm. for the Leafs uh, and for if how Joe Thorne's going to play this season. Uh, obviously, it's going to be shorter, uh, not a full 82-game season. But uh, you definitely want to see him uh, do well if he's indeed going to be spending most of the year on the top line. So if his speed's doing well, then that's that, that can only mean good things as well. And that, that, that also means that uh, you could definitely be the third man back and it wouldn't be too big of an issue. Oh, for sure. Um, so I think the, the first line was the, the main topic uh, mover there, but we'll go through each lines uh, kind of quickly, but... Obviously, in the second line, it's pretty much the same of what we've seen before, except for Jimmy VC. Are you kind of shocked with seeing uh, Jimmy VC that high in the lineup? Kind of, but not really. Because at one on one hand, I definitely expected him to be on the fourth line. But this is a player that was highly uh, touted coming uh, out of college and mm-hmm. just before he uh, made his debut mm-hmm. in 2016-17. I remember, I remember when, the, when the Leafs were... Actually, very rumored. I remember there were like sweepstakes to get Jimmy VC, and the Leafs were rumored to be in on that. And that was a crazy time. Thinking back, what, then. wasn't wasn't the rumor that the Leafs were going to trade Nylander to get Jimmy VC? Something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, that was. Hey, and now they're playing well, on the same line together. There you go. I think it worked out well for the Leafs in that regard. Um, but you know, this might actually be a good thing for this Leafs team because uh, Jimmy VC, I think, could be seriously uh, underrated this year and might be in for uh, a surprise campaign because a lot of people are probably writing uh, VC off as nothing more than uh, a bottom six forward who can maybe play on the the, the middle six uh, on occasion. But you know, playing alongside uh, John Tavares uh, and Nylander, two great passers. Might actually work out for him. He, you might see some goal, more goals from him than seasons past. Mm-hmm. And I remember John Tavares was speaking highly of uh, VC, or maybe it was the other way around. I can't remember off the top of my head. 
but definitely the players seem to like playing with each other. It definitely gets me excited. And I think this could do nothing but wonders for VC, who's looking to get more money. And uh, who knows? Maybe he gets to stay in Toronto past this season, or maybe he goes elsewhere and gets a lot of money. Uh, yeah. It's all, it's all going to work out for everyone involved. Yeah, let's hope he has a great season this season, especially with the increase in minutes playing in the top six. Um, you got to hope that he can get it rolling. And, you know, we'll see how it, how it pans out. But uh, I will say that, yeah, originally I had him in the bottom six, uh, you know, uh, as a winger. And, uh, I mean, I'll use it to transition to our next line. But, yeah, Ilya Mikheyev, who's now on the third line, I initially thought, you know, they'd keep him with Tavares and Elander. But we'll see how that switch works. And, uh, I mean, the third line we know, uh, all three of the players. Um, I'll just ask you, I think we could keep it short at, uh, do you think Mikheyev uh, – do you think do you think Mikheyev will do fine there, or do you think he would have been better, you know, playing with Tavares and Nylander? I I definitely don't think it's a huge concern that Mikheyev is on the uh, third line. It just it what it does at the end of the day is gives the the third line uh, more uh, scoring options mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and spreads out the balance of uh, the least offensive weapons because they could just go all in on their top uh, six and then just hope and pray that the bottom six can keep up. But as we saw last season, one of the biggest uh, deterrents and one of the least biggest downfalls was their lack of scoring from their bottom six. And the Leafs made a big effort, to their credit, to get more help from the bottom six. And that just goes to show just how much depth there is on this team this year. I'm not too concerned about the bottom six compared to last season. And you remember how uh, much tough it was to watch uh, Alex Kerfoot struggle to produce offensively and uh, a lot of other guys in that similar role. And you saw just how big of a hole uh, Mikheyev put had once he went down with an injury. So I, I have no complaints with Mikheyev on the third line. It, it definitely helps uh, the Leafs' offensive uh, unit. I agree. I think, yeah, I think that's the first thing we would notice about these lines is that it's very spread out, you know? A lot of the skill is very spread out. Um, and even going back to last year, I mean, obviously we know Mikheyev, only really got to play half the season, but uh, he definitely proved to be a bright spot on the team, and, and he earned his spot in the top six. And, you know, that's why I thought, you know, putting him in that top six position would, uh, with your best wingers, would, would make sense. But you're right. This really does spread it out more, gives more skill on each line. It makes it harder for each line, uh, you know, to play against each line. So uh, we'll see how it works out, obviously, as well. Zach Hyman's there. We know Zach Hyman is also a, a top six winger, but I think that makes that line a lot a lot stronger. And uh, we'll go into the fourth line, and uh, the big thing is, you know, two new uh, wingers for Jason Spezza, both Wayne Simmons and uh, uh, Barabinov. And uh, I, I think we're expecting, or, or we're at least hoping that he kind of takes a similar jump like Mikheyev did last season, um, kind of being the, uh, you know, the scouted, uh, Russian forward from the KHL coming over here. Yeah, I think that's a good fourth line as well. Uh, good, Some good physicality from uh, Wayne Simmons, complemented by Jason Spencer, who still has got a bit of skill left in his game, mm-hmm. and Barbanov, who plays plays a decent two-way game from what I've heard. Uh, it's it's a good line. It's uh, I think if this is the best the fourth line at least we'll have this season, I don't think uh, they'll be complaining too much. And let's not forget... As much as it's sad to see the goat leave and sign with the Coyotes and wear number thirty-four there, uh, 
this is definitely an upgrade uh, from the fourth line center position. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, and I was going to say, I think one big thing I take away from these lines is uh, just the versatility that we could even see in the future. Mm. I mean, I, I, like I'll admit like it's, it's very likely that these lines won't stick because uh, they're just, you know, Keith is trying out new things here, but just looking at, it, especially the wingers, you know, Thornton can go back to the bottom six or, you know, he could excel there. Um, Simmons, you know, I thought he could play third or fourth line. Same with uh, VC. Mikheyev could even go up or, you know, or stay where he is at. Same with Hyman. I mean, just so many, so much, you know, so much uh, kind of versatility and, and, and movement that's possible there. That means, you know, it's, it's only good for the team's depth because no player here needs to stay where they are, except I think, you know, Matthews, Tavares, and uh, Marner and Nylander, but I think even Marner and Nylander could, you know, switch around those those two lines. So absolutely, uh, whenever whenever is needed, you know, whenever things just aren't going. So I think there's a lot of versatility there. You know, the same can be said for the Leafs' defensive unit, which uh, well, we can go into really quickly. Uh, it's it's definitely a lot better than it was last season, and uh, maybe I'll just quickly read over and we'll we'll, we'll quickly react to it. Okay. First pairing is uh, Riley Brody. Second pairing is Muzzin Hall. Third pairing is Lennon and Bogosian. And the extra pairing is Sandine and Dermot. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, the big uh, uh, notice is Dermot is not on the main top six. So I guess first question is what are your thoughts on the linings, the lines themselves? But also, are you shocked that Dermot is not on the main group? Um, hold on, let me pull up the... Uh lines but well i know like the thing is that the leafs got much deeper on on d and uh the the biggest you know the biggest uh addition is obviously tj brody um but for dermot i am pretty um surprised because i thought he'd be a lock uh to make it at least the third pair you know i thought if anything uh i thought miko litton and and I thought, if anything, Zach Bogosian as well should have been, you know, the extras in a sense there um, and would have mm-hmm. to kind of fight for their spot there. But, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And, and I don't know, especially Zach Bogosian, like, you know, knowing his, you know, history in, in, in the last few seasons, I know he had a very strong um, time playing with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But to come in, like, right away, I thought he would have to earn his spot a little more. Maybe he will. We'll see as, you know, more events transpire. But as of right now, yeah, I was pretty shocked by that third pairing, uh, most of all. The, the top four, I'll say this, uh, the top four was expected, so I don't think I have much to say about the, the top four there. But definitely that third pairing is uh, is a shocker. I definitely was a bit taken aback at first by uh, Durbin not being in the top six. But then I remembered that uh, there's a very good chance that uh, – there's going to be a lot of uh, rotation uh, from the lineups because, like I was saying earlier, uh, with a lot of back-to-backs and playing the same team multiple times, it gives teams uh, plenty of options to bring in different guys uh, to avoid fatigue. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you're going to see on that third pairing. I don't think uh, Bogosian's going to be playing all 56 games. I think you'll see Sandine and uh, Dermot slot in and out uh, on any given night. Uh, the same might be for Lennon. But I also think Lennon might be one of the biggest X factors for the Leafs this year, given uh, that he played so well in the KHL. And there's a lot of expectations for him to try and translate that game over to Toronto. So 
It's uh, I think if there's anything, Bogosian's probably going to be the one that rotates in and out, and you'll mm-hmm. see the other the, the young guys uh, come in. But hopefully, Dermot uh, proves that he can play in the lineup full time because uh, this definitely makes his uh, case for staying in Toronto a little bit harder to justify. And I think uh, with the expansion draft coming up, it's a there's a there's a possibility that uh, he might be heading over to Seattle. As much as we hate to say it now because it's so far away. It's definitely a possibility and something for these fans to at least keep in the back of their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we'll keep it short, but uh, I think we could kind of transition that topic into the even the taxi squad topic, um, who we might see on the taxi uh, on the taxi squad. Um, you know, I think we could keep it short. There's, uh, it's. I really think it's probably going to be a lot of the players we kind of mentioned there. You know, with uh, Travis Boyd, um, Peter Engvall. You know, uh, obviously probably Aaron Dell. And uh, yeah, either Zach Bogosian or uh, even Dermot. We'll just have to see how uh, you know who they choose there to rotate in and out. But I agree with you. Yeah, and yeah, it's definitely uh, the case. Robertson's going to be in the, the taxi squad. Angle, Boyd, uh, all those guys that we mentioned earlier are going to be on the taxi squad. And the rules are going to be interesting to, to keep a track of all season long because uh, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of players go on waivers. <laughs> Uh, than usual. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you're hoping and praying that other teams don't claim them. But uh, again, this is a good thing that uh, Robertson's still in his entry level contract because uh, he'll be safe for the time being. Mm-hmm. I think we'll leave it at this before we go on to the next topic. We're just so excited for hockey to be back. It's literally right around the corner, and we got the scrimmage oh. game coming up, and we'll actually get to see these guys uh, in action. It should be a fun one, by the way, uh, that scrimmage. Uh, yeah, I'm sure if you saw the uh, report that came up by the Leafs themselves. Uh, Joe Bowen's going to be calling that game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of mm-hmm. fans were hoping to see him back on TV. Well, there you go. Yep. So uh, looking forward to that. Just want to pause the conversation to remind you guys that our podcast has a Twitter page. If you want to keep track of the latest episodes, want to send in your questions, or just want to hang out, that's the place for you. It's at Behind the Net Pod. That's B-E-H-I-N-D-T-H-E-N-E-T pod. Hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. And uh, we'll go into some NFL talk. Uh, honestly, we can. We, there's there's not a huge amount, but I'll just say I'm I'm happy because the 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 Browns made the playoffs. <laughs> they've they've clinched, and uh, most importantly, that uh that that game was that game was pretty crazy. Yep, that game was, that was- very. Like I loved it. Honestly, it was, it was really good. And uh, the the Browns showed up. Like just what I was saying, you know, they really had to, um, they really had to prove prove the haters. Simple as that. They really had to, and uh, they did it. They they literally shut them up and uh, against one of the one of the league's best. You know, I have to admit, after the the Browns lost to the Jets in uh, Week 16, I was getting a little nervous. Yeah, but, I, uh, what did I, I tell you too? Um, I, I like I'll admit you could tell last episode I did not have that much confidence, especially after losing to the Jets. That you know, <laughs> take taking on uh, you know one of the, one of the best teams in all football. <laughs> um, but they did it. They did it. <laughs> they did it when they needed to. It's it's a good feeling. I I, I this is the same feeling I had uh, in 2017 when the Bills finally made the playoffs uh, after uh, almost a. 20 over 20 years or something mm-hmm. like that it was uh it was just a great feeling i'm happy for you guys and hopefully it turns into uh 
quite a playoff run because uh, guess who? You, you know what? They've got the the same team they just played in week seventeen to make it in. Browns Browns got one miracle, um, and now they have to hope for another one. They have to hope uh, that they can repeat it there. Um, yeah, honestly, uh, they just really have to hope that they can uh, really take that confidence from that game and go into uh, the playoffs with that. I think that's a big key. Um, I think the whole season was about them proving um, proving a lot of people wrong and just proving that they can be a uh, you know a contending team. And hey, let's remember they're doing it without uh, you know one of their biggest stars. And they're doing it, and they've been consistent. So um, I'll say, I'll give you this. I, I really think they could. I think they can surprise a lot of people. Obviously, they're coming in as the underdog. So I, I definitely think they can surprise a lot of people, just like they did last week. Yeah, I definitely. There's definitely a possibility too. And I hope it reignites the rivalry between the Browns and the Steelers. Because mm-hmm. uh, what's one thing about the AFC North that I love? It's when all the teams are competitive. And this is probably the the most competitive the division's been in years. Uh, we haven't even mentioned the Baltimore Ravens who also uh, stormed their way into the playoffs after I think it was like week nine or 10, where it looked like their season was in jeopardy. The AFC uh, Northman, it's, it's really competitive. And, mm. and even though the Bengals didn't make it, I think the future is really bright for them. Uh, something's got to give at some point. So God, I'm, I'm really excited to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say this though, uh, before we head into the playoffs, uh, um, the, the Browns are experiencing some COVID-19 spread happening within the team. Uh, I'm just hoping, let's just hope that, you know, uh, they recover quickly and, uh, yeah, we'll just see how that plays out. But obviously that's more important than, you know, winning a game or playing out a game. Uh, the game will still be played, but, uh, let's just keep our eyes out on that. Hope, hope they, uh, that, that spread stops and they get better. I did notice that the, there has been any new positive cases, so that's good to see. But yes, mm. you definitely hope that the player and the coaching staff safety is uh, paramount and uh, that the game can be played safely. And mm. I think that's just really all it is for all six games uh, this this coming weekend. Yeah, and we'll keep it uh, short for the Bills. Again, I just want to ask you, I think we just want to talk about Bills versus Colts. Uh, I want your thoughts on that. How, what do you think about it? Uh, a rematch of the a- of old AFC East rivals. It should be uh, pretty interesting. Uh, the Colts. Uh, my friend is a Colts fan. He uh, wasn't sure if his team was going to make the playoffs this year, but it should be a good matchup uh, regardless. Uh, Philip Rivers definitely is trying to win his first Super Bowl, uh, and he's got a pretty good team surrounding him. Josh Allen uh, and the Bills' offense is the best in football. Actually, the best in football, 501 uh, total points on the year. So it's going to be one of the, the, the best offense in football against one of the better defenses in football, who uh, bends and who breaks. Mm-hmm. So that should, that's probably the most intriguing matchup. The only thing that sucks, though, is that it starts at 105 on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of that, but I digress. Yeah, um, we'll see. I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, again, two great teams going head to head and uh... – it's going to be interesting. I definitely think the Bills have a, a special team this season, so I want to see where they can go, how far they can go for sure. Um, they have but, to win a game this year. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. They have to win. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, again, with the 105 start time, not a good start time. Uh, I'm surprised that uh, the Browns, I mean, obviously it's more so the Steelers, but uh, the Browns have a prime time slot there, so that's going to be good. Yeah, it's that's that's, that's probably the, the most intriguing matchup of the bunch. Uh 
if not for my team, but but outside of the Browns and the Steelers, uh, probably the most intriguing matchup here is the Ravens versus the Titans. Mm-hmm. Those are two deadly offenses, and yeah. Derrick Henry is probably one of the probably the best uh, running back in the league by by a huge margin, and uh, the Ravens got Lamar Jackson, always mm. a, a lethal Love threat. Lamar Jackson. I, if you love offense, that might be the yep. game for you. Oh yeah, um, I'm also excited to see uh, the football team versus uh, the Buccaneers. Um, I, I we I think we all want to see how uh, you know Tom Brady uh, does in the playoffs because we know he's a you know that's where he shines most and uh, how he does with Tampa Bay. Could you imagine if an, an, an under 500 team beats Tom Brady? Tom Brady when everybody thought the Buccaneers were going to make the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> It'll be crazy. We'll just see. Oh, it's been a, it's been a it's been a wacky season all all around. Definitely wouldn't surprise me if that happened. Oh, yeah. uh, oh this is gonna be football playoffs this year is gonna be great. I'm looking oh, yeah. forward to it. It's really interesting. Um, but yeah, we'll just see how it how it plays out. It's gonna be really fun. Um, finally, I think we should talk about uh, some baseball. There's been uh, a little news. We've been obviously you know teasing at the fact that the Blue Jays have not been doing anything, and they still haven't done anything. But at least we've seen some. Uh, you know, some news pick up and, and some rumors, but first off, uh, Lindor, the Lindor trade. Um, he has been, uh, traded today. Actually, uh, we're recording this Thursday and he's been traded to the New York Mets. I just want to know your quick thoughts on that, uh, because it does play into the blue Jays in a big way. I'm not sure if you heard me, uh, just, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's my reaction, but you know the Mets. Uh, they were trying to be big spenders this offseason. It makes sense why they were uh, fairly in on uh, anyone that they could see. Uh, it sucks because uh, I know Lindor was probably one a, some fun. A lot of Blue Jays fans wanted to see uh, on the Jays, but I also think that uh, it was going to be tough to pull off because how do you adjust that uh, infield? And that's something we were talking mm-hmm. about in the previous episode. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think uh, it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see the Mets. The, the Mets are definitely shooting up to be the favorites of the AFC. No, 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 the uh, the National League East. <laughs> Sorry, football still on my mind, <laughs> clearly. But uh, the Met, the Mets, the Mets are going to be really good this year, and I don't think they're done. Uh, the problem is though, they might get the player that a lot of Blue Jays fans mm. were hoping to see them mm-hmm. get, and that's the transition right there. Is that you know I think this. This trade really creates a domino effect because we know that the Blue Jays, we'll look at it both sides because we know that the Blue Jays were linked to uh, Francisco Lindor as well. Um, and, you know, I, obviously they couldn't top the Mets' offer. Um, so he's, you know, he went to the Mets. But we know that the Blue Jays want to, you know, spend big or, or make a make a splash this, this offseason. And we know that the Mets really want it. They, they're under new ownership who has shown that they, you know, they're willing to spend money. And, you know, first off they did that too uh, with Lindor and there's different, my, there's different ways and go about, we could think, you know, do the bets still want to make a big splash? Like, do they want to afford two big pieces there this off season? Maybe in one way they could back off of, uh, again, the other player that we, um, are talking about is a uh, Springer. Um, He's obviously uh, gonna ask for a lot of money. Great player, and he's linked to both the uh, 
the Jays and the Mets. Now, again, does this mean the Mets back off of him because they're already going to be spending a lot on Lindor? Or do they want to go really big? And are they willing to spend on, you know, two two big pieces and, and really spend big? Or, uh, and, and again, that, how does that affect the Jays? Do the Jays have a, ch- a, bigger, a better chance or a worse chance now, you know? I think uh, the big thing is that this definitely puts the pressure on the Jays to make a move. Uh, because the Mets took one of the big pieces of the uh, offseason. Probably the biggest uh, Lindor prize, was yeah. definitely one of the biggest prizes of the offseason. I still think the, the other biggest prize is uh, George Springer, mm-hmm. and he's still in the market. Yes, it definitely kind of uh, takes a bit of a sting off the Mets' chances of signing him, but they're not completely uh, out of the race. They definitely can still go after him. But if the Jays really want to make a big move, they really have, like I said, they have to up the pressure. And if they really want George Springer, they gotta they gotta give him a better offer than what mm. they gave him initially. And if they really want him, uh, one hundred fifty under his one fifty million goal is not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. Just like you put it, I think if anything, this is this might turn into the Blue Jays overspending um, because the pressure is definitely on them. They know they can see that their competitor um, in these negotiations, you know are the Mets and the Mets have shown that they're willing to spend and they're willing to spend more. So that means the Jays have to do something very big. Um, if they want to, you know, actually secure George Springer. So that'll be interesting. Honestly, I don't know. It's, it's been a crazy off season already. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the, it, it, the, the Mets could honestly give a very intriguing offer because it looks like they're ready to just go swinging for um, a big splash. And if George Springer does sign with the the Mets, it makes a lot of sense why he decides to go there because the Mets are definitely putting themselves in the win now contention window. And there's a very good chance that if they get Springer as well or even somebody else, they're probably one of the favorites to win the World Series. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they win the World Series next year, there's going to be a lot of Jays fans upset because why didn't we get him? Why didn't we get that guy? Oh yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be big. Uh. And yeah, it definitely puts a lot of pressure on the Jays because they're not exactly at that same point. Um, they are kind of still on the cusp of a rebuild and turning into contenders. So, uh, like I said, they really have to do something to woo him in that sense. Absolutely. Hopefully, uh, we hear something soon. Mm-hmm. I think with that, uh, yeah, we'll start to close out this episode. Um, it's been it's been a, a pretty crazy week in sports and. It's really just starting. Like, uh, you know, it's it's gonna really get really fun in the next few weeks. It is. Uh, a lot of sports are f- starting to come back in full swing. Uh, the playoffs for the NFL are right around the corner. Uh, the NBA is back and up and running, and the NHL is back. Mm-hmm. If and obviously the NWHL is coming back soon, and so is the NWNBA. Uh, if you're a sports fan that's been waiting patiently for something to look forward to, uh, mm. your moment's here. Uh, We're getting all of them, all the sports at once. It's going to be great. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, with that, we'll close out. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I'll say uh, right here. Um, first of all, I'll say you can follow us, the, 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 the podcast on Twitter, at BehindTheNetPod. Um we, we post the episodes there and some updates and things like that. So make sure you follow. You can also tweet or follow me at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. 
And you can follow me on Twitter at the Leafs IMO. Awesome. So with that, we will let you guys go. Uh, thank you for listening, and we hope you have a great week. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>